0: Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth.
1: And we are back with The Advertising Show. So happy to have you here. The Advertising Show being brought to you by... Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Advertising show is also brought to you by Walter Carl Interactive at waltercarl.com. And uh, the advertising show, a big radio midgets production. Well, you've decided to join us at a great time here. We've got senior columnists from Hollywoodtoday.net, Alex Ben Block with us today on the show. And uh, we'll talk with Alex. If you've heard the show before, you know Alex is always filled with a lot of gems. A lot of things that are happening out in uh, the world of television, uh, so it'll be fun to get Alex on. And we've also got, uh, here momentarily, uh, we've got uh, Patrick Meyer, and a little bit later on, it is uh, Jeffrey Gittimer as well. On the advertising show, Rachel and Brad Forsyth, good to be here with you.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know, recently, it's no uh, surprise, we've been talking about this for a long time here on the advertising show, with the decline in print advertising for newspapers uh, this year and and over the past many years uh, has been much in the news. Of course, they they're still seeing gains, big gains, online. Right. Uh, the NAA, Newspaper Association of America, said recently in a in a press release that the internet advertising for newspapers surged 31.5 percent last year to 2.7 billion dollars. That growth uh, rate essentially matched the prior year. The strong increases is, of course, encouraging for newspaper companies which have forged alliances and uh, with not only each other yeah. but also with online job sites to boost their uh, ad revenue on the net. So, uh, you know, for those that didn't get uh, the fact that they needed to move their product to an online venue, mm-hmm. uh, a little late now to be doing that, but, you know, uh, smart, I guess, on the newspaper business uh, part to, to have made that move. And by the way, newspaper print advertising dipped 1.7% last year yeah. to 46.6 billion. It's been trending, uh, downward for for many years sure, or yes. you know somebody asked me the other day so what why is it that newspapers are losing their audience and I said just check the obituaries and you'll see where their audience <laughs> is going yeah that's yeah. right where they're going well
1: there's a little bit of a younger demographic still there but it certainly has changed a lot and
2: it's that, not sure. the way it was when you and I were younger and we no. we would pick up the newspaper out of college and begin to read it because that's what yeah. we were supposed to do and what our parents uh, modeled for us but today there're too many other alternatives
1: absolutely Media, Absolutely. Uh, This is from CNN this past week, uh, CNN.com actually. In the wake of public outcry against Los Angeles billboards and New York taxicab tops advertising a a movie captivity, uh, images of abduction, torture and death of a young woman, the film's producer said it will take down the offending billboards Hmm. and the ads. I Basically, think. people came back. Dark Films is the name of it. That ought that, uh, to that give you a clue. Yeah. Theatrical distribution partner uh, in the uh, Motion Picture Association of America received a barrage of phone calls objecting to the gratuitous depiction of the film's star, Elijah Cuthbert. Cuthbert? Uh, being tortured and killed. Right. Well, sure. Well, and it Come worked.
2: On. It worked. It made people talk about Here it. and we get go. publicity. And probably right there in the L.A. Times. So they said, see, we got what we wanted. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but that goes back to that other idiotic stunt that those guys did in Boston as yeah. well. well. Like, come on now. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's, yeah. we won't talk about that no. anymore.
2: We'll edit that, in fact, later uh, in the week. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, beware of Wi-Fi jackers. Did, did I don't know if it's I a mentioned. Wi-Fi jacker. Well, uh, apparently the open wireless hotspots that you thought were pretty cool for, for providing uh, free web access mm-hmm. uh, might actually be a trap. Uh, hackers are creating open look-alike wireless access points so that they can get access to your sensitive information. The FBI uh, Los Angeles says that consumers should be particularly wary of high-traffic uh, uh, Wi-Fi hotspots such as cafes, airports, and hotels. And I think I mentioned this a few shows ago, and I'm mm-hmm. doing it now again just as a public service uh, where laptop uh, turnover is significant such as airports and hotels. And there's an axiom, they say, uh, if a, uh, com- in the computer world, if it's convenient... Mm-hmm. Uh, then that is the enemy of security. So I saw somebody the other day with a laptop at a coffee shop, and I thought, I wonder if they're aware the that that's of that, kind huh? of a yeah, that's a risky thing today.
1: What about the Wi-Fi cities? San Francisco well, is a Wi-Fi
2: city. Same concept. I right? don't know. I'd, I you would think that either they've figured out a secure way of handling that. Although these hackers, they get in there and they put no, that something that's scary. similar to your Wi-Fi uh, URL. Yeah. And it's like lowercase versus uppercase, so it's it's somehow able to throw you off. And if you click onto the wrong one, you're in you're being viewed on everything that you're doing. Sweet, yeah.
1: Scary, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Well, I don't do Wi Fi. Do you? Uh, no, no. Yeah.
1: Although we have done that before from remote yeah. locations and right. such, so uh, who knows? Yeah. That's uh, that's something to watch out
2: for. Well, you. again, Wi Fi at home, which we have is different than a public venue, and I think that's the key here. Okay, very
1: good, and something to notice. Uh, The Advertising Show, Alex Ben Block here about to join us uh, on the Advertising Show for a few segments, and uh, we hope you stay with us for that. Patrick Myers says that we should be quicker and sexier, and I think that's probably true. You've, You've got one of those, and I've got the other. Exactly. Which, we'll leave it up to you as to decide which one. It's
3: true. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer.
4: Repeat after me: Quicker, faster, sexier, cooler. That, my friends, is probably your biggest challenge because that's where the consumer is going. What I'm talking about is the fact that there are basic human needs, and you do not have to be a rocket scientist to predict this. But many executives are surprised when they get blindsided by the competition, or even worse, when another industry obsoletes your business model, like Nokia and Motorola as leaders in camera sales last year via their cell phones, or HP as the imaging leader, and where is Kodak totally blindsided? Well, no surprise, what the consumer wants is quicker, faster, sexier, cooler, more fun, smaller, bigger, more experiential, better, best value. That's what it's all about. So when you are doing things advertising or marketing-wise or new product-wise, every day say, how can I make it quicker, faster, sexy, cooler, more fun, make it bigger, make it smaller, make it more experiential, or make it a better, best value? A great example, cell phones all around us, constantly doing this. Everything from ringtones to razors to slivers to new colors. Now with TV, even Bono with red, it's constantly quicker, faster, sexier, cooler. Go back to your business, do the same thing. How do we do that on everything that we do every day? faster, sexy, cooler.
3: You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. This is Patrick Meyer as your Marketing Insider.
4: And remember, the revolution is now. Hey, you want to know more? Go to nowing.net or send me an email at patrick
1: Alex Ben Block coming up uh, momentarily on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Alex is an entertainment industry journalist and author. has written uh, weekly columns about personalities, trends and news and broadcast, satellite and cable television for uh, such publications as Television Week magazine. He's also a regular panelist for Call Sheet, which is an independent look at the entertainment business. Heard weekly on an NPR affiliate in Southern California, uh, KPCC. FM. He was previously editor, the editor of the Hollywood Reporter. He's written books. Outfoxed is his book. Mm-hmm. He's currently the uh, senior columnist for HollywoodToday.net, uh, dot net. So mm-hmm. we'll have Alex on here momentarily. Other
2: than, the, other than that, he doesn't know anything about television no, or the so industry. That's what it says at the
1: very yeah. end of his bio. No, right. There's nothing about television. Right. Uh, also worked in Detroit, mm-hmm. in Miami, my well, old stomping
2: ground. As that's well. kind of a weird thing. Detroit to Miami.
1: No, it's not. Actually, it's a good move. <laughs> well, yeah.
2: I guess you'd need that. Real <laughs> quick. The truck from Miami. Real quick. Do we have time for yes. this? Yeah.
1: Well, no, we don't.
2: Well, then we'll save it till mm-hmm. the end of the because show.
1: Because again, this the music, music thing, comes yeah. in right? Right. I don't understand this. Yeah. Why does this always happen? I don't know. So, Alex Ben Block. By the way, the advertising show being powered by shipple.com. It's Ed Shipple and his gang. S C H I P U L.com and a program called Tenants. Check it out.
3: Looking for your customer's email address? Rob Fitzgerald, who runs Walter Carl Interactive, says it's much easier and more profitable to reactivate an old or lost customer than to acquire a new one. An email append strategy and an email change of address program are the most successful and cost-effective ways to bring your offline customer communications online. How successful is email append? How about a 500% ROI? Bottom line, the lifetime value of customers who receive regular marketing emails is 3 to 10 times higher than those who don't. For more on building an online customer retention program and finding those inactive customers with email append, go to appendservices.com. That's appendservices.com. Walter Carl Interactive, with over 8 million quality B2B and over 130 million consumer email addresses. Interactive marketing, multi-channel strategies, e-marketing databases, online customer acquisition solutions. Walter Carl Interactive.
0: Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. I'd like to buy... Varnish
5: it with love.
1: As promised, back on The Advertising Show out of L.A., our very special guest and a regular here on The Advertising Show, it's Alex Van Block, senior columnist at HollywoodToday.net. Boy, are you about to learn a whole bunch of stuff about what's going on. Alex, welcome back to The Advertising
2: Show.
6: Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be here.
2: Well, and uh, we know we're taking you away from a little domestic chore there, so thank you for uh, spending some time with us today. Well, thank uh,
6: you for taking me away from it. I knew you would say
2: that. Uh, You know, before we jump into some great topics here, such as uh, the summer movie, in particular, I wanted to just uh, real briefly get your take on Fox News' You Report uh, service that debuted recently, which will allow viewers to send news reports to uh, the Fox site that will be featured on shows such as Handy and Combs and O'Reilly Factor and so forth. I know this is all about, I guess, uh, you know, user-generated news reports via social networks. It's all been in the news lately, and. Uh, and then not just Fox, but others seem to be wanting to get in the fray there, along with CBS and others. Give us your take on this. Is this where, is this trending and where we'll see others go?
6: Well, you know, we've entered the age of interactive, where not only does the media broadcast to you, but you can talk back to the media. And increasingly, in talking back, people don't want to just say what they're thinking. They want to show videos, like on YouTube or they want to uh, show other things that they've created on their computer. You know, if you have an Apple or even a, uh IBM-format uh, computer, you can do all kinds of artistic stuff these days, and uh, also capture news. And so what Fox News is doing, and many local stations are doing, and uh, many national networks are doing, is asking their viewers to become the source of their content. Of course, the most famous one might be Al Gore's Network Current, which essentially runs on user-generated content. But uh, going forward, the user-generated content serves a couple of purposes. One is it's free, and it helps fill a lot of airtime. Two, it actually brings in more viewers. It makes viewers more loyal because they feel they're interacting, and if they've seen their stuff on the network, it gives them a feeling like they have a proprietary interest in that network.
2: Any any issues around credibility there that we're, we would be concerned if, if we're like real journalists out there now being edged out or at least uh, sharing the spotlight with just Joe Sixpack?
6: Well, this is a huge problem uh, that's already existing in the world of bloggers versus what they call MSM or mainstream media. You know, the standards for mainstream media are that you have to fact check, you have legal responsibilities, you have to uh, report everything, you have to check it over and over again, and then you have to stand by what you did. That's not the same as somebody who gets up and just uh, puts on their pajamas and types whatever they're thinking or goes out in the backyard with a video camera and starts taking pictures of stuff. and. Who knows what they took or how they edited it or where it came together or when it was really shot. And then suddenly they send it to a news organization and say, hey, this is news. And uh, it's up to the news organizations to be very careful about what they air. And this is uh, increasingly a challenge.
2: Yeah, well, staying with the online idea for a moment, Viacom suing YouTube, CBS, uh, former sister, and just separated out of Viacom, paying. To have programming promoted on YouTube. Uh, Any irony there? I mean, what's going on, Alex?
6: Well, there is an irony there, but there's a huge issue here, both in terms of copyright and business dynamics. What's happened is that YouTube, you know, in a matter of a couple of years has become wildly popular, was acquired for big bucks by Google, I think about $1.65 billion. Uh, And suddenly the content providers, 20th Century Fox or NBC Universal and so forth, looked at it and said, well, wait a minute, if if they're paying a uh, billion dollars for this and they're using our content, shouldn't we be getting a share of this? This is not fair. And so they also, uh, legally, you know, you have to protect the copyright or you lose it. Even if you're copyrighted, if you don't actively protect it, then the courts rule that you don't have a copyright anymore. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there was long negotiations with a bunch of different people, and then Viacom, in the highest-profile lawsuit, sued YouTube demanding they take down everything, and in fact, you know, YouTube's policy is if I am a copyright holder and I ask you to take it down, they take it down immediately. Mm-hmm. And that's legally, uh, what's called the safe harbor provision of the Millennium Copyright Act, which means that, uh, they may not know what you put up, but as long as they take it down when you ask them to do so, they, in theory, have no legal liability. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Viacom is saying they didn't take it down fast enough. There's too much out there and they don't want any more put up. And uh, and then a short time later, of course, we found out what's really going on, which is that uh, Viacom wants to have their own YouTube, as do some other people, and that they're all developing their own business models in order to not only uh, provide content but to be the one who sells the ads against the content.
2: And the most notable uh, recent uh, is the Fox NBC Universal announcing plans to create their own YouTube. What's What's the deal with that, and should we expect other majors to follow in behind them?
6: Well, you know, originally a number of other majors were involved in these discussions, but it's Fox and NBC Universal who actually have announced that they're going to do something like YouTube, where you'll be able to send in videos and uh, also see videos from shows, whether it's 24 on Fox or uh, uh, you know a clip from an NBC Universal show like Deal or No Deal, whatever it is. Uh, and that they want it on their own site, they want to sell their own ads, they want to control their own content. And uh, in fact, now they've made a deal with AOL. To actually sell the advertising content on this new network for them and so uh... i expect other majors to come into this uh... and others to follow and uh, develop their own sites uh... clearly the battle of the copyrights is being used as a major wall to divide business segments so that uh... you know because the traditional media are a little frightened right now mm. you know these guys who for a hundred years have dominated And suddenly there's Yahoo and Google and YouTube and all these people that seem to have come out of the woodwork, and they're taking business away from them, and nobody's quite sure what the new business model is. So they're all scrambling to try and make sure that at least they can control their own destiny as much as possible.
2: Yeah, a couple minutes left, staying with the digital channel for a moment, and I promise we'll get back to summer movies here in next segment. CBS is not only using the Internet, uh, Alex, for streaming new shows, but they're offering content that's not available through broadcast versions. Is this a new, uh, new uh, strategy we'll expect to see not only from CBS but other networks?
6: Well, what it is is an expanding strategy. You know, uh, if you go back a few years content on network television was exclusive to local TV affiliates. And then they said, well, you know, if if we could also broadcast some of it on the Internet, uh, maybe we could charge for it. And it turned out people didn't really want to pay for it, but if they put it up there for free, they'd get a lot of sampling. And then about three years ago, I think it was the WB Network, which of course no longer exists, became the first to put up a show before it aired on network television, before any of the affiliates had a chance at it, and they saw it as a promotional tool. And, you know, it's an odd thing about uh, downloading and all this stuff. If you download a movie, that's piracy because that movie is gone forever. Mm-hmm. But when you download a TV show, it's promotion because if you see one segment and you like it or one episode and you, and you get involved with it, you're probably going to make it a point to go and watch that show on TV in the future. Mm-hmm. So increasingly, the networks see the Internet as a way to extend their reach, build their brand, and a powerful promotional tool to drive future audiences to their shows.
2: You know, we talk about uh, the digital channel. We talk about broadcast television, cable television. We talk about movies. I mean, this mm-hmm. guy knows it all. And next segment, not only are we going to cover summer movies, but I want to get your take on something new I'm seeing out, which are networks giving uh, repeats, but but new uh, content, previously not seen content, edited into these repeats to create oh, new yeah, interest. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly.
1: Yeah. I think it's NBC, I
2: think. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. And they do a good job at that, too. Alex Ben Block is our special guest. Alex is out of L.A., senior columnist at Hollywood. Hollywoodtoday.net, and we'll be back with more with Alex and Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth here on The Advertising Show in just a minute. We hope you'll be there too.
3: If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit iwantmedia.com.
0: Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show.
1: Always a special guest and always a treat to have on the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth out of Los Angeles, Alex
2: Ben Block, senior columnist at net. Alex, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, and you know, just uh, mentioned last segment, uh, what's going on, and so, say hello to your dog there, what, what's uh, going on with, uh, I guess NBC is the most recent example of uh, r- uh, showing some repeats but yet bringing new content, uh, not previously before seen content into repeats, uh, new strategy I guess, huh?
6: You know, it kind of uh, harbors to the DVD world, where in order to sell DVDs, they often put additional content on the DVD. So now, uh, you know, television with viewing so diluted, you know, it used to be that a, a big hit show got the 25% share of the market. Today, you get 5% of the market or 7% of the market. you a big hit show. Shows exist with even less than that. So, uh, you know the whole world of repeats has changed because it's so easy for people to change the channel so in order to get people to tune in they throw in these little extras and they're trying to find ways to kind of change the formula so that you don't feel like you're watching the same thing over again so I think uh, what NBC is doing is the beginning of a lot of people looking at how we, we program television and uh, when repeats don't work, ways to revive interest and uh, I think you're going to see more of this
2: You know, we got you to weigh in long ago uh, when uh, WB and UPN uh, said they were going to evolve into a new network called the CW. Now looking back on it, Alex, was that a smart move?
6: Well, it was because uh, WB and UPN were losing money, and uh, there really wasn't room in the marketplace, it seems, for both of them, at least not the way that they were operating. Uh, And as it turned out, the CW is doing okay. Not great, but not terribly either. They've managed to uh, be credible. They've had a couple of big shows. America's next top model, for instance. And uh I think that they're they're off to a good start. They're also doing some innovative stuff, you know, in the advertising area. For instance, they've uh created content to drop within the pod of commercials. So that uh not in the program, but actually built within the commercials is some uh creative content that ties in with the commercials. And so they're doing some new stuff there and I think uh An exciting time. Now, on the other hand, the other network that was formed, My Network TV, which is owned by Fox, has stumbled all the way and only recently has changed their programming, dropping the telenovelas and trying to, uh, you know, get viewers in other ways. They have uh, these ultimate wrestling shows and uh, specials that they're doing and uh, movie nights in order to try and come back. But so far, they really haven't done very well and it's been kind of a hard road for them. But uh, overall, I think what. warner brothers and cbs did is working and i think the cw is very credible
2: you know studios look from certain seasons i guess for making big bucks uh, holiday seasons uh, being one uh, christmas uh, thanksgiving for family uh, viewing i guess and the movie theater summer uh, being a big big time as well what's going on what's expected this summer alex
6: well you know in the toy business christmas is the big season in the movie business summer is the big season And it's when the kids are out of school and there's repeat viewing and uh, people seem to find time to get out of the heat and into the air-conditioned theaters. And uh, we're headed for what looks like one of the biggest summers ever because it's a summer of big sequels, stuff that's already kind of pre-tested and has a built-in audience. And uh, the three biggest, the ones that are going to be watched most, are going to launch right at the front end of the summer. And that is uh, on May 4th, Spider-Man 3, which is going to be huge. Uh, and followed by Shrek 3 on May 18th, which raises some questions. I don't know how huge <laughs> that's going to be. Yeah. And then Pirates of the Caribbean 3 on May 25, and I guarantee you that's going to be a phenomenal blockbuster. The uh, early tracking and awareness is through the roof on that one. Hmm. I think Shrek is probably the one where the, the questions have to be raised, because Shrek 2 opened pretty strongly but then dropped out badly, And the Shrek 2 DVD did not perform up to expectations. So whether that franchise is as strong as it was is really a question. Well, But I think Spider-Man and Pirates are both going to uh, start the summer off with a bang.
2: You know, next segment, I want to ask you what's up with American Idol. I know there's a lot of interesting things, to say the least, going on with American Idol and some behind-the-scenes things that only you know about. Uh, What do we have, about a minute left, Ray?
1: Sorry? About a minute and a half.
2: Yeah, a minute and a half. Uh, what's going on with uh, TV ad sales, in particular the major uh, cable networks? I thought uh, this year as well as a bit last year that, you know, it was supposed to be a soft uh, uh, up front. And what's going on there, Alex?
6: Well, uh, you know, cable struggles a little bit in the upfront typically. But what happens is there's now over 100 cable channels that are advertiser supported that are out there in the marketplace. And not everybody is going to share in the bonanza. But the top channels, the ones who have the strong content and who draw a regular audience, are continuing to do well. And the figures have just come in for how advertising is going, and it's about a $12.5 billion market now, and it's up about 4% from last year. This is for advertiser-supported cable channels, not HBO, not CBS. Uh, the number one advertiser-supported cable channel again this year is ESPN with their powerful sports programming followed by TNT, which is part of Turner Broadcasting, which is part of Time Warner, and followed by MTV, which is part of Viacom, and followed by Nickelodeon, which is also part of Viacom. And uh, each of them has their own core audience, but clearly uh, they're very desirable to advertisers, and uh, things continue to go pretty well for them.
1: It's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And our special guest is Alex Ben Block, senior columnist at HollywoodToday.net. Back with more in just a minute with Alex and Ray and Brad on the Advertising Show.
3: How can 18 different companies all sell the exact same thing known as water? It starts here in Advertising Age, the leading source for marketing, advertising, media, and ideas. For almost 75 years, we've covered the most thought-provoking, groundbreaking stories in the industry, giving you the competitive edge to be a leader. Your job demands you not only have good ideas, but great ideas. And those great ideas have to start somewhere. And that somewhere is in the pages of Advertising Age and also online at adage.com. How can you get someone's attention if you don't have $10 million in a celebrity endorsement? It starts here in Advertising Age, the leading source for marketing, advertising, media, and ideas. For almost 75 years, we've covered the most innovative and groundbreaking stories in the industry, giving you the competitive edge to be a leader. The next big idea demands out-of-the-box thinking. Start your search for greatness in the pages of Advertising Age and also online at adage.com.
0: Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. Mm. I love the sound of the rain. Mm. And I love the taste of your fresh fruit coffee. Oh, thanks, but it's not fresh fruit. It's new tray
1: Like we said. So how did you know Dr. that commercial was going to play? You called Alex yet. The Energizer Bunny. We're back with uh, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Alex Ben Block is senior columnist at HollywoodToday.net. We've got Alex for one more segment. Welcome back.
2: Thank you. Yeah, and uh, American Idol. The, I think I recall before the season kicked off something about a songwriting contest and and, and then it disappeared. What, what went on with that, Alex?
6: Right. Uh, last August, Simon Fuller, uh, the creator of American Idol, confirmed to the Associated Press that for the first time there was going to be a songwriting competition open to both amateurs and professionals. And uh, then it was decided it would be done over the Internet. And the idea was that uh, the winning songs would be the songs that that would be sung at the end of the show by the two uh, top contestants. You know, in the past, established songwriters or well-known producers had created new songs that the finalists sang each season, and several of them became hits. You may remember last season, Taylor Hicks had a big hit with Do I Make You Proud. And out of all of them, back when Kelly Clarkson sang A Moment Like This, was a huge uh, record, uh, that both CD sales and uh, radios, radio play. Uh, well, the songwriting contest was never really officially announced, uh, despite these kind of back-channel blogs and, and doing it. Uh, and now they say that they've canceled the whole thing. And the reason they're canceling is the, the producers say they're just too busy to get around to it for a number of reasons. One is the producers are also now going to be producing the Emmys later this summer, but more immediately, coming up in a few days, uh, they're going to be doing a big charity special called Idol Gives Back, and this new charity component uh, will include a big charity event. Uh, half of the about half dozen remaining Idol finalists are expected to sing inspirational songs. And there's going to be featured musical artists, including Gwen Stefani, mm-hmm. and the comic Sasha Baron-Cohn, who you may know as Borat, is right. going to be on the show.
2: Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, they decided to do that this season, but yet that's a first for them with the uh, charitable tie-in, isn't it?
6: It is. And, uh, and they worked out a deal with the sponsors, where for each vote that's cast that week, Coca-Cola, AT&T, and some of the others are actually going to donate some money to a thing called Charity Projects Entertainment Fund, run out of the U.K. by Richard Curtis.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that'll be interesting. I, I think they're, they're really showcasing that a lot, and they make that announcement from time to time, and we'll see how the public reacts to that. I guess it's kind of warm and fuzzy and feel good. Sirius and uh, XM Satellite Services are uh, in the middle of a merger that we predicted here in the advertising show many years ago, and uh, uh, I understand now they're going to be offering a, a video service of some sort. Alex?
6: All right. XM was the first to announce. Uh, recently, uh, Sirius said they've made a deal with the Chrysler Corporation, to launch services that will provide video to watch in your automobile. These are primarily aimed at families. So if the kids are sitting in the back of the Chrysler Town & Country minivan, the, the screen pops down, and there'll be a dedicated service that will have only family-oriented programming uh, specific to uh, the needs of this audience segment, and like Sirius or XM, it'll cost an additional fee. You'll subscribe to it, and, uh, and we will have it in the cars. Uh, you know meanwhile, things are kind of touch and go here on the merger. Uh, there's a lot of opposition to it. There's FCC issues, there's congressional issues, there's business issues. Uh, it makes so much sense. you know you guys predicted this merger because it's just the right thing to do. but right. these companies are struggling, they're both losing money. they're both kind of in over their head and together they do have a better chance. But uh, the question is, uh, is satellite radio a standalone segment? And if so, then this would be a monopoly and uh, would be antitrust if it's not going to happen. Or is satellite radio just one of many competitors in the media universe? And if so, then this merger should and probably will happen. But it's going to take some months to play
1: out. Certainly if it does, too, that too would be very good. They're good at what they do, individually and collectively. Mm-hmm. They'll be very powerful as well. And they can give Howard Stern more money then. That would be oh, great. Good. Alex <laughs> Ben Block, it's been a pleasure having you here on the advertising show. Once again, we are always happy to have you back again and again. And uh, Alex is a senior columnist at HollywoodToday.net. Go to HollywoodToday.net to find out more about that. And Alex, will let you get back to work on the house. Okay, we understand you have a wall to paint this point in time. Thanks for being with us.
6: Thank you, guys. (laughs)
1: You're welcome. Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on The Advertising Show with more in just a minute.
0: You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth.
6: Here are some most happy fellas, the four lads for porn. Standing on the corner, watching
1: all the Fords go ball. Thanks, to Alex. Always a blast, too. They're, what they're doing at his house, by the way, we didn't really explain, but they're renovating uh, his house inside. His, his wife, wife is. His wife is, yeah. yeah. And they have They have people on the outside, people on the inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're redoing the driveway. They're repainting all the walls. Uh, what else do they
2: do? Well, and Alex is basically going to pretend like he's on a two-hour radio broadcast podcast interview. So, so he doesn't have to do anything. Yeah, he's just going to hang out in his little home office there and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I'm still working on
1: this. Turn that out. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. We've got uh, John Fine coming up here next uh, next uh, weekend on the advertising show. John is a media columnist with Business Week magazine, and uh, he, has, he has a blog, too. I'm not going to go into that. It's way too long. Right. Uh, but he is also... Uh, Uh, He actually did some uh, print media for Advertising Age as well. Let's see, GQ,
2: GQ. ESPN,
1: the magazine pushing 30. We're going to have to dress up for this. No, I don't think so. No? No, same thing that we wear. It's it's office policy.
2: I've seen seen his picture, by the way. You have? Yeah, I don't think he lasted long at GQ. GQ. (laughs) Or he didn't get any pointers while he was there. No, I'm kidding. You don't know that. <laughs> it's a headshot. You don't know what he's wearing. Exactly.
1: Jeffrey Gitomer is a always a snazzy looking guy, right? That's, that's a term out of the past. That's true. Um, G- Jeffrey says, "Take away risk is what you do when you try to make a sale." He's a sales trainer, and we have Jeffrey on the advertising show right now. <laughs>
3: Quick takes on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare
5: listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. There's an obvious way to sell that most people have no concept or clue about. It's eliminating the risk of buying. You know it. You have felt it. Eliminate risk and prospects are more likely to buy. What a concept. How much simpler can I get? In order to harness the power of this strategy, ask yourself these five questions as they relate to your product or the sale. Number one, what's the definition of risk? Number two, what's the cause of risk? Number three, how much risk am I asking my prospect to take when they make a purchase? Number four, how do I uncover risk factors? Number five, how is risk taken away, removed, or eliminated? Here's the deal. A risk of purchase is some mental or physical barrier, real or imagined, that causes a person to hesitate or rethink ownership. As a salesperson, your job is to identify the risk and eliminate it. Interestingly, risk is harder to identify than it is to eliminate. What is risk to some people is a walk in the park to others. What may seem ordinary or of no consequence to the salesperson is a huge risk to the prospect. You have to find out your prospect's tolerance for taking a risk. Some people take more risks than others. Ask about gambling. Ask about entrepreneurial risks that they've taken before. Ask about previous purchases. Measure their tolerance and their previous experience and look for causes. The aspect of risk is a very subtle one. Only the best of salespeople will get the concept and harness it. If you don't, there's a bigger risk. The risk that the competition is kicking your ass.
3: Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say...
5: This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks.
1: Uh, he does it so well. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Jeffrey Gittimer along with Ray Shullins and Brad Forsyth on the advertising show. Looking forward to John Fine next week. Media columnist, Business Week magazine.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you uh, do you buy CDs anymore? Not really. No, me neither. Not for music. I have CDs for other reasons, but not for music. Right. No. Okay.
1: No. So, thus the blockbusters and all of those kind of places, and and many other famous record stores. And it's funny; they still call them records. The artists call them right. records. I got a new record coming out. Or
2: album. Instead or album, of, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: And then you might ask them, "So, what is a record yeah. or an album or something?" But uh, but basically, what they're saying is, uh, "This is out of uh, San Francisco, U.S. sales of uh, compact music, uh, compact disc, that is." Plummeted 20% the first three months of the year this year as downloading of songs continues to knock, uh, well, basically record sales uh, studio revenues. 89 million CDs sold from the start of the year through the 18th of March as compared with 112 uh, during the same period of six. Hmm. Uh, purchases of digitized albums online failed to make up the difference. Instead, they dropped from 119 million during that time period to 99 million during the first three months of this year. Uh, so what they're saying, what are they saying? Consumers sending a message to the artist that, well, you may have put a lot of thought into the sequence of the album. I only like these three <laughs> right, songs. Right.
2: When has that ever been any different? Alright, well, you know? I mean, the, the bottom line is, is that when iTunes, uh, among others now, offered Consumers the yeah. option to go in and buy one song. Individual songs, yeah. Or two or whatever, then all of a sudden this uh, extra stuff that was always on the CD or yeah. the album, as they say, right. uh, that you would punch through at your car, in your car, I don't mm-hmm. want to hear that. I want to go back to this one no. or whatever. And that, that's gone away because we're back to the consumer being in control.
1: The only CDs that are probably selling well are the compilation CDs. I looked at a David Benoit CD
6: mm-hmm.
1: uh online. Jazz. Uh, jazz, uh-huh. yes. and it is the 19 oh, what is it? it's like a 20 year span of his music, the mm-hmm. best of. Yeah. And that's good because you know that the stuff on there are is hit oriented material and such.
2: What do you think of uh, uh Paul McCartney's soon to be ex-wife on Dancing with the Stars? I, I think it's stupid. Well, it is stupid, and she and you know something I got to tell you, I, I didn't really realize how whacked out this lady is. Yeah. She's she's wacky. Yeah. yeah. And I uh, uh, I mean I'm, I don't mean that in a disparaging way. It's just uh, you know they there have been rumors she's been written about, and I didn't know if that was a kind of a spin they were putting on her because of the divorce and all that. But the more she opens her mouth, the more wacky she is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, have you noticed that?
1: Oh yeah, she was on Letterman too, uh, yeah. and she was acting strange uh, there. Uh, I guess Paul didn't see that one coming. Did well, he?
2: she didn't have her leg screwed in right. I mean, her head screwed on right. <laughs>
1: it's, it's weird. She talked about her accident uh, yeah. as well on, on the Letterman show. It was really strange.
2: Should he say, You're pulling my leg? No. No. No, he wouldn't do that. No. Yeah, he would. Well, he would. We love David.
1: Uh, thanks again to Alex Ben Block and look forward to uh, joining us the, the next Sunday uh, for John Fine, media columnist with Business Week Magazine. And uh, it's, it's been a blast, as always. I love Alex. Uh, great guy. Pulled yeah. a lot of great stuff. In, uh, a nice thing to be full of. Your
2: <laughs> That's <home>. true. <laughs> As yeah.
1: opposed to the flip side of the coin. Correct. The advertising show being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com. It's also being brought to you by Walter Carl Interactive at waltercarl.com. That's Walter K-A-R-L.com. with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Hope you enjoyed
6: it too. The advertising show is a big radio midgets production.